we said. The Press Box. Well, hello and welcome back inside the Press Box. Mike Grace with this new edition of the Press Box podcast. For my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, our job here is to offer up you a slice of what you can hear each and every weekday on great radio stations around the state of Alabama on the Press Box Radio Show. If you want to find us, here's the easiest way. Check out the website, pressboxradio.com. There you can check the affiliates page, find the station nearest you. Also on the episodes page, you can hear the show on demand hour by hour. Or simply press the listen button. Hear the Press Box anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Again, that's pressboxradio.com. Mike, Chris, and JD today talking a little Bama as the tide rolls into their bye week. But coming off, uh, uh, again, a good win over Tennessee with still a lot to play for despite the early season loss to Texas A&M. Now, what is next for the Tide? Well, we talked to Travis Ryer of Bama Online and the Talking Tide podcast about a range of things. Kind of got a mid-season report card on this 2021 Alabama team. And we started with the quarterback and Bryce Young, who looks alongside Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral as the early favorites for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, it seems that way. seems as if it's a SEC quarterback race at this point. Still some big stages for both of those guys as we head down the stretch, especially if Ole Miss continues to win games, which, by the way, if you're an Alabama fan, you want Ole Miss to keep winning now, right? With that yeah. with that being your best win on your resume. So should be a lot of fun to watch. Travis, it's Chris, and thanks so much, first of all, for the time. I appreciate hey, you being on with us. Yeah, buddy, it's, a, it's really good to hear your voice. It's been a while. Um, I, are you at all surprised – with what Bryce has been at quarterback, or is this what you projected? You're always a little bit hesitant when you're talking about a true second-year player stepping into that spot, even though we've seen it in the past with guys like Tua and Jalen did it as a true freshman. Uh, But you also understood that he came from a program and really a background in his development where he was advanced. Maybe as much as anything, you had concerns for him where the supporting cast was concerned because he kind of missed the window with that generational quartet of receivers. But give the Alabama staff a ton of credit. They went out and got him some help in Jamison Williams, which continues to look bigger and bigger with each passing game with the way he's performed. And then to see John Mechie coming along here in the last couple of games, So those guys have stepped up around him. I think maybe as much as anything, he's helped the offensive line in some instances where protection is concerned. And he's kind of like, you know, Chris, he's kind of like a Colin Sexton at point guard, right? He can erase a lot of the issues that maybe you have around that position in basketball. He's similar in what he can do to help make some wrongs right, whether it's protection or you know, even if his receivers are struggling to gain separation, he can extend plays and help them out from that standpoint as well. Hey, Travis, it's J.D. down in Mobile, and uh, you were talking about support and the uh, receiver cast who, you know, is no longer there, but Mechie, obviously a weapon, and now uh, the other J.W. coming along. But the incorporation of the tight ends and multiple tight ends kind of give support and not necessarily run support to make a analogy to baseball, but then Brian Robinson, you think, man, here Najee Harris is gone. Who's going to be back there to take the load, running the football and give uh, Young that support? But Brian Robinson, my goodness, uh, another 100-yard game, 107, three touchdowns against Tennessee. It looks like that young man's got a lot of upside. 
he does. It, it wasn't easy. It was kind of a grinder Saturday night against Tennessee, but you're right. Third 100-yard game for Brian in his last four. Uh, he has stepped it up as a receiver in some of the previous weeks. Uh, certainly against Mississippi State, he was good in that area once again. Tight ends resurfaced for Alabama against Tennessee, so didn't need as much maybe from the backs as pass catchers uh, in that one. But, no, it's a great story for Brian because he definitely waited his turn. Uh, he gives you a little bit of Glenn Coffee. It's a little retro Bama with him in there. Uh, yeah. Bullish and, you know, the way he's able to get north-south. Probably not going to be a lot of 20-plus yard runs with Brian, but he's going to consistently yeah. give you that five to eight yard run and, and keep the offense in a pretty good spot. Travis, the the roster is so different from last year based on experienced talent. Um, reference it almost every day. You lose six guys to the first round of the draft, it's not going to be the same. That being said, I, I really feel like they've left a ton of meat on the bone in terms of who they can be. Uh, and, a, and a big reason why is you're just not getting from Billingsley what I thought they were going to get or anywhere close to it. I mean, there were there were a number of drops, and he was not the only one. Uh, Cameron Latu also had a, a couple of drops before he started to become a little more of a factor later in the game. But is is it the routine play? that they're missing out on it's keeping them from being who I, I believe we both think they can be it's we, we know they're not going to be Najee Harris but they supplement that just fine with what Brian Robinson can do but there are some other areas where I don't think they do the little things very well and that's the difference I don't think there's any doubt about that I think you can look at this team in general through eight games and sort of cast that light in different areas. The secondary on defense uh, against Tennessee was uh, not at its best, as I think we could all you know, evaluate there. From But looking at those tight ends specifically, yeah, they had a couple of games there where um, they kind of took on milk carton status a little bit. And so it yeah. was encouraging to see them not only resurface, but do so early in the game. Jalil and Cameron had a couple of big third-down conversions with Bryce on that opening possession Saturday night. But, yeah, with Jalil, it's been a bit of a mystery throughout the season. There's been glimpses of the Jalil we anticipated seeing on a week-to-week basis. But just in the game Saturday night, they set up perfectly sort of a screen-and-go action. They get him wide open in the seam. Uh, you know, Bryce delivers a very catchable ball that could have gone for a certainly an explosive play, if not a touchdown, uh, or both, and the ball just goes off Jalil's hands. I just think you said it. It's the attention to details, the level of engagement, being there on a consistent basis. For whatever reason, that's been a bit of a struggle for some guys. I th- I think it's also we – I tend to. I'm not going to put you in this category, but we initially think guys are plug-and-play, and that's not right, and that's not fair. I think Jameson Williams maybe was an example of that, even though he had a couple of big returns. I don't think I don't think he became immediately what we thought he was going to be in the receiving game. He's gotten better, gotten stronger, despite a couple of miscues this weekend. But there's another guy that I think is really talented but has has struggled at times to kind of 
grasp what's required of him at Alabama and what's asked of him at Alabama. Uh, I want your take on Henry To'o To'o and, and what he'll be going forward for this team. He's been good in a lot of ways because when we think about some of the issues that they've had as recently as Saturday night on the back end of that defense, uh, you're left to wonder what it would be like without Henry because Nick Saban has said time and time again how much he has helped from a communication perspective uh, in that front seven specifically. You know, sometimes I feel like Henry – is trying so hard to make sure everybody else is where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there that uh, his his own play suffers. You know, he, he kind of gets in that situation of being so committed to running the show that, you know, he, he, he isn't able to do everything you would like to see him do on an individual basis once the ball is snapped. So I think that's been part of it. Um, you know, look, we're in an era of inside linebackers now where they're essentially safeties from years ago. And I think what we're seeing some more of is a return of legitimate run games between the tackles too. So yards after contact, things like that. Uh, you don't have Rolando McLean at six three, six four, two fifty in the middle of the field anymore. So you're not seeing as many of these inside linebackers today, just stoning backs and, and, and ball carriers in general, uh, you know, in the middle of the field. So, you know, it's a little bit of a give and take, I think, with so much emphasis on Twitch and, you know, being able to play in space, um, you know, that can be countered sometimes by, by a good run game. But I think Henry's been solid. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't know if he's been sort of the Butkus Award winner uh, winning candidate that, that we've anticipated. Same for Christian Harris, both those guys. And, you know, I think it's been made clear to them that they've got to play at a higher level than they had through the first seven games. I, I think they've been better the last couple of games. You know, Henry had five tackles against Tennessee. I think three of those resulted in no no gains. So starting to see more of that maybe from uh, Henry and Christian. But uh, yeah. I guess the level of play we anticipated hadn't quite been there. Well, and what we – you know, it's easy to talk about. We kind of do this where it relates to Bama, what they don't do well when something stands out, because that's more uncommon these days. But I mean, they were they were defensively against the run game better than anybody's been against the Vols so far. And I know that they haven't played Alabama to this point, but still, you shut down a team this day and age in the run game like that. You've done something pretty good. Agreed wholeheartedly, and that kind of got lost in the issues they had on the back end was the fact that, you know, Tennessee and SEC play, I'm sure you were aware of this, came in averaging nearly 270 rushing yards per game. They had a season low 64. So uh, that front seven continues to do some some good stuff against the run. Even in the loss to A&M, uh, they were pretty good against Spiller and A-Chain on the ground. They got hurt by those guys in special teams and in the passing game more so than in the run game. But, you know, that bodes well for them because when you think about future opponents, you consider what LSU is going to bring to the table with Ty Davis-Price. You think about what Arkansas likes to do offensively under Sam Pittman. Georgia, ex, uh, excuse me, Auburn uh, is certainly going to want to establish Tank Bigsby in that run game in the Iron Bowl. Down the road potentially with Georgia and how that offense 
and its foundation is set up through the run game. Now, I think that's some real positives for that defense looking forward. Looking at, at a game the way you do, Travis, and seeing you know some recent success by Tennessee, deep ball, et cetera, with four games remaining in the regular season, LSU and you know Arkansas and Auburn being tests, maybe not so much New Mexico State, where do you see other teams looking at that film and perhaps having chances at exploiting a, an Alabama defense? Yeah, I think tempo is still a big part of it. And that was part of the issues, uh, the, the speed at which Tennessee operates. It's very similar to Ole Miss from that standpoint. That led to at least some of the issues you saw for Alabama uh, on the back end against the Vols. Again, I think there's some good news there, too, when you look at future opponents. Not much in the way of a total commitment to tempo. Yes, some of the uh, teams that they will face down the stretch will – at times speed it up a little bit, but not for 60 minutes like Ole Miss and Tennessee. So when you consider LSU, they're not a tempo offense. Arkansas will have some uh, with Kendall Browse as the offensive coordinator. Uh, you'll see, I don't think very much of it, probably from Auburn and Brian Harson and Mike Bobo. And then Georgia is not a tempo team. So th th there shouldn't be as much of an issue in terms of alignment coming up here in November and looking ahead potentially to early December as there was, say, last Saturday night. Things that are on a lot of Bama fans' minds, especially when you discuss the fact that Nick Saban's about to have a birthday. It's about to be his 70th birthday. And it's a topic that you know is around the water cooler. It's at the office. It's at family get-togethers. But yet, here, knocking on the door, he gets to enjoy one of the best recruiting classes he may ever have as a head football coach, and he's had some dandies. What do you think? Is it see how that recruiting class does or and keep going? Is it do you see an end in sight? Not right now, I don't. And I think you touched on one of the big reasons why, as long as they're stacking number one classes or even top three classes, I just don't know many coaches who are still very capable uh, at an advanced age of walking away from a heater like Alabama's on from a recruiting perspective. Yeah. Um, maybe if you start to see that dip in some coming years, that could be a, an indicator. But, you know, Chris knows this working with Nick as closely as he does on a consistent basis. It just doesn't seem like um, there's been much of a dip in that fastball. So uh, his commitment still seems to be there in every regard of program management. Uh, I think what happens with some older coaches is that they're, they're still driven by game day. Right. They love Saturdays, oh, yeah. but it's you know, Sunday through Friday that, that they, they lose some of the, the passion uh, and the, the desire. I, I don't sense that from Nick. And, you know, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. You know, Travis, I agree with you. I, I referenced this three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever it was when we played in Florida and the interaction that I saw between he and Steve Spurrier. I, I talked about how it looked like both men were enjoying exactly where they are in life because for Spurrier, he loves being worshipped. He loves being king. He gets to go around Gainesville, and that's who he is, and it's great for Florida. He's a great ambassador. I don't say that critically. That's just who he is, and that's what he enjoys. He plays golf. He does the restaurant deal. It, life's in a great spot for him. But for Nick Saban, life's in as equally a good a spot it's just different because he enjoys coaching and all the things that come with it. 
And it is a family thing, I think, with Nick, too, as you know. Terry loves it. He loves it. Uh, It's a collaborative effort. I think that's part of it to consider as well. And uh, as long as both of them are on board to the extent that they are, uh, again, it's impossible to forecast uh, week to week, year to year, those type of things. But, um, you know, Nick isn't your your typical 70-year-old, put it that way, and Right. Uh, I think it's something that they both enjoy immensely still, and, uh, and no, no reason to think it won't continue on for a considerable amount of time. I don't think anyone sees an end to that anywhere near in sight as Nick Saban just keeps on rolling as the Alabama head coach. Our thanks again to Travis Ryer of Bama Online and the Talking Tide podcast for joining us here on the Press Box podcast. If you like what you hear, a couple favors you can do for us. First of all, subscribe so you get the new ones each and every time they come out. If you would like us, review us, and share us with a friend, that'd be fantastic. They can find us wherever they find their Apple and Google podcast, plus iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever they find their favorite podcast. All they have to do is search for Press Box Radio 1. That's Press Box Radio and the number one with the Press Box Podcast. Until next time, for J.D. Myers, for Chris Stewart, I'm Mike Gray saying thanks for joining us inside the Press Box.